Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, we are back. We are continuing this week to talk about these rookie tiers. We got through the first six tiers last week, which covered the first two rounds plus, and we're going to pick up tier seven this week. Do you have any rookie drafts that you're uh, you're taking part in? Um, I have four in the books. Just completed one that I was really happy with. And I got to say, they weren't exactly the most expert of competition. But I got Nikhil Harry with the fifth pick in that draft. I couldn't believe it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah Nikhil Harry is was in our tier one. Yeah. We'll actually take a quick look back at those first six tiers soon. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I think I'm... Five or six rookie drafts in, a few rookie auctions in as well. It's It's been really easy. I've seen other people say this, and I definitely agree. It's been pretty easy to trade up this year, um, yeah. not only in the first round, but even in the later rounds. People are uh, not wanting to make these picks in a lot of cases, and, and there are a lot of players I like, especially in these tiers that we're going to talk about today. So uh, I've been moving back in to uh, acquire some some stashes that I like. How about you? Yeah, I like that approach. Um, I, I think we talked about this at length the last podcast, and I urge everyone to go check it out. I mean, that's, that has aged very well. It hasn't changed much. But there's that section basically from 1-5 to 2-3 maybe that I think you can kind of put everybody in a bag and shake them up. So I want to pick a 2-2 two, two and pick up something as opposed to picking at 1-6 or whatever. Um, but yeah, like third round or so, there's guys I like that start dropping, and I start making calls. I mean, I, I think it's a good time to be aggressive, grab a guy, stick him on the end of your roster. For there's a handful of those dudes I like. Yeah, and on on the flip side, obviously not very easy to move down. I had the fifth pick in one league. Uh, for me, that pick was going to be AJ Brown, but I, I thought I could probably move down a, a couple spots and still grab him. And it just wasn't happening. I wasn't getting any kind of uh, decent offer. So I just stuck there, made my pick. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's that's really what you have to do this year. You're, you're not going to get much to, to move down, especially if you think you can still get your guy. Yeah, I think too many people are listening to us and your other podcasts and, and warming up to the idea that you know moving down is the way to go and they're not paying to move up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get into our new tiers today, as I mentioned, we're going to start with Tier 7, uh, picking up from our last episode. Let's run back through the first six tiers just really quickly of, of these rookies. And again, as we mentioned last week, these tiers are formed by actual uh, rookie drafts that are taking place that we have uh, collected the data from my fantasy league that's found on Dynasty League Football. So again, these are actual drafts taking place there's well over 200 of them already in the books that's just in the month of may uh, we've got some uh, some older ones as well uh, but matt as we as we review these tiers for each tier i just want to hear the one player you're drafting the one player you're avoiding and sometimes some of these tiers are only two players so it'll be an interesting choice tier one Josh Jacobs, Nikhil Harry, who are you drafting? Who are you avoiding? If you have to, if you have to label them that way. Yeah, I mean, the consensus seems to be Jacobs going one, Harry going two. I very much agree with that, so I will take Harry or, or Jacobs over Harry. And Harry scares me a little bit. I, I know you like him a little bit more than I do, but his landing spot is sounds good. But I just wonder, you know, how much is Brady going to trust him right off the bat? Yeah, that's 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 a fair concern, but I'm yeah. still going the other way. 
I'm drafting Harry and uh, probably not fair to say avoiding Jacobs. I'm not really avoiding Jacobs, but uh, if we have to label it that way, we we will mm-hmm. do that. So, uh, moving on, Tier 2, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery. Who are you drafting? Who are you avoiding? I think it makes a strong case that these guys are very equal, and they are in my eyes. I've been leaning towards Montgomery. I expect him to have a better 2019 all right, we're, we're going to disagree again. Yeah. I'm I'm drafting Sanders. He's actually, as I mentioned last week, he's actually my uh, 1.02 rookie, uh, just ahead of Josh Jacobs. So I'll draft Sanders, avoid Montgomery. I still like Montgomery in that four or five spot if he falls that far. Tier three, a little bit bigger, some choices to make here. DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, T.J. Hawkinson, and Paris Campbell. Which of those players are you drafting and which are you avoiding? A.J. Brown's my favorite player of the group. Well, Hawkinson's my favorite player, but Hawkinson's my avoid just because I can't use a pick on a tight end there. It's purely positional. Um, I like D.K. more than Brown, mostly because of situation, and I think his skill set does fit in very well with what Seattle and Wilson wants to do, particularly in the deep passing game. All right, we're, we're close here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm passing on Hawkinson as well for a lot of the same reasons you mentioned. If I want, uh, if I want to use a mid-first-rounder on a tight end, I'm going to see if I can pry away Zach Ertz for that same pick before, wow, I, yeah. draft, before I draft TJ Hawkinson. Even, I'll probably have to add a little bit for Ertz, but I'd be okay with that. And the guy I'm drafting, as I mentioned earlier, would be A.J. Brown. Tier 4, Mecole Hardman, Debo Samuel, Noah Fant, Kyler Murray, Marquise Brown, Daryl Henderson, and Hakeem Butler, another big tier. Who are you taking? Who are you avoiding? I think Henderson, the more I think about it, the more would be my pick if those were guys on the board. And part of it's not sound dynasty reasoning, but it's just that after the those first two tier running backs are gone, there's nobody else I want. So I like what I would get at those other positions in the second, third round. So I, I think I'd like to have Henderson. I like that fit more and more. I would say Hardman's my avoid, but Butler, Samuel, Hardman, Brown are all pretty darn similar to me. Yeah, they really are. Brown is Brown's my avoid uh, for sure in that group. The player I'm drafting is a tough one. I, I've taken Hardman in a couple of drafts uh, in, in the late first-round range and feel okay about that. So I, I could go with him, but I like your case for Henderson. And Henderson's a guy who has has been moving up. If, if you uh, just look at the ADP data over the past couple weeks, Henderson's looking like a first-rounder, uh, not, not necessarily here. Uh, down here in this fourth tier. So I'm going to go with you and and draft Henderson and avoid Marquise Brown. Tier 5, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Andy Isabella, Devin Singletary, Irv Smith, Damian Harris, and Justice Hill. Who are you drafting? Who are you avoiding, Matt? I say I'm not doing cartwheels over any of those dudes, to be, be very honest. And my tiers would start to get a little warped differently than these but Singletary's a big avoid for me. I, 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 I always do jumping jacks every time he gets drafted. I think he's a number two for his whole career. Uh, I don't know that he'll even have more touches or value for redraft than Yeldon this year. I, I'm not very impressed. Uh, I guess if I one of those dudes, I probably would go with your buddy Arcata Whiteside. But for what they cost, I don't love any of those players. 
Actually, like almost all the players really? in this group, I, I agree with you that Singletary is the avoid. He's he's really the only player in this in this tier that I haven't been targeting in that early mid second round range. I, I really like Damian Harris. We talked quite a bit about him last week, but I, I think Isabella is my pick from this group. It's really close with with he and Arcega Whiteside. Real quick, Ryan, I will tell you that your your article, your arguments in favor of Harris made me bump him up about eight spots or so in my rookie draft. Okay, nice. Yeah. I was able to, I think since we talked last week, I was able to draft him uh, in two different leagues in that late second round range, and, uh, and I, I love it. Love that value. Last tier that we mentioned last week that we're reviewing right now, tier six, Dwayne Haskins, Miles Boykin, Kelvin Harmon, Deontay Johnson, Alexander Madison, Jay Sternberger. Who's your pick, and who are you staying away from? Harmon's my clear stay away. I mean, he was a six-round pick, and I know his situation's great because there's nothing around him, but I don't think he moves all that well. I don't think he's a long-term answer for anyone. The other group I like quite a bit. I mean, Haskins I could take or leave. I mean, uh, I compared him to if, if everything hits – Maybe he's a Matthew Stafford or a Philip Rivers if he turns into a great NFL player. And how much value is there is that within Dynasty if, he, if he's even a 10, 12-year starter, which he very well could be a two-year starter and fizzle out too. Um, Boykin and Sternberger are two guys, though, that end up on my roster all the time. But if I have to pick one, I'll take Sternberger. We're going to agree again. Sternberger is the, is the player I would be targeting in this group. Actually, I think all the rest, Haskins, Boykin, Harmon, Deontay Johnson, Alexander Madison, all of those are are players that other people are taking before I'm really ready to consider them. Uh, If I have to pick one I'm staying away from, it's probably Haskins. Uh, I just just can't see him breaking into that top tier uh, of fantasy quarterbacks. And if you're not in the top tier, honestly, we know – we know you just don't really matter when it comes to fantasy, uh, fantasy football in, in those one quarterback leagues. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with. I mean, if he would run, that would make a different, much bigger deal for him, and he's never going to be a runner. Yeah, well, and, and that's that's not even to get into uh, the weapons that he's going to have around him. We are going to talk about some of those right now, though, because the top player in tier seven, and and this is uh, this is again a continuation of last week's topic. Tier seven's our first one for today, and it's it's a huge tier. We're we're essentially talking about uh, the entire third round here, and and maybe even into the fourth round. So the first player is one of Dwayne Haskins' wide receivers, both in college and uh, now in the NFL. Terry McLaurin. We've got Darwin Thompson, Bryce Love, Jalen Hurd, Benny Snell, Rodney Anderson, Ryquell Armstead, Riley Ridley. Drew Locke, we've got Daniel Jones, Travion Williams, Kahale Waring, Miles Gaskin, Josh Oliver, and Dexter Williams. Woo, that's that's essentially a a full round. And when you look at the ADP, there's not much room separating any of these guys. Uh, Lots of names there, Matt. Did anybody stand out as, as a player you're targeting in that third even fourth round range? Yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for developmental tight ends, and Oliver and Waring are very interesting to me. They wouldn't be at the top of the list here, but I think 
those two, along with a guy like Knox, who hasn't been mentioned yet, I think could pan out before long. Um, but the three that stood out to me as being the most valuable and the names you mentioned are Thompson, and a lot of that's landing spot, and I'm not super impressed with the people in front of him, particularly Damian Williams. Um, Snell, who I think he's going to be Connor's backup, and I'm not as big a Connor fan as most of the Dynasty community, and Snell runs hard, and I think he's got a chance to be a pretty productive player. And Anderson I really like a lot, but... So much has to go right for him. And number one, staying healthy, which he's never proven. And is he ever going to beat out Mixon? I mean, because they're almost similar style players, but there is a lot of ability there with Anderson. So that has me intrigued, you know, if you're talking about tier seven guys. Yeah, again, these these are not quite in that dart throw territory, but but they're getting close. And, of course, the Bengals drafted Rodney Anderson. Soon after they drafted Travion Williams, we've got – Rodney Anderson here being drafted earlier in our rookie ADP. And it, it, it's obviously an interesting dynamic with those two guys, plus Joe Mixon, plus Gio Bernard. Probably safe to assume that this is Gio's last year in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like Anderson could be the backup to Mixon. Travion could be the backup to Gio. And, and if that all works out how we expect it to, it could be. It would be Travion Williams with the earlier chance at, at real playing time, possibly in 2020 when Geo's gone. I was. I was not an Anderson fan. I know a lot of people even called him the most talented running back in the class uh, in, entering the draft. So I was not a believer in him, largely due to those injuries uh, that that really plagued his his almost his entire college career, except for that that one huge season he had in 2017. So I I was staying away from Anderson already, but I was still really surprised he fell that far. Yeah, yeah, me too. It makes me think that the medicals are probably not wonderful. Side note, just on that Cincy backfield, does this draft that just transpired hurt Mixon's stock in your mind at all? No, I don't think so. Uh, I I mean, I, I just wonder... We we have this conversation every year. I just wonder what the Bengals are doing. <laughs> right, <laughs> drafted a blocking tight end. You know, like right. They they draft Drew Sample in the second round, and the pair of running backs. I, I don't know. I, it's it's just it's overkill. It, it it seems like they're not heading in the right direction, which is which is kind of disappointing. You hate to see these teams struggle year after year, and and really just just not get any better with, with little hope. I mean, we, we've all been celebrating the Browns turnaround. Uh, I'm a little hesitant to use that word turnaround. They haven't, they haven't really done it yet, but we have high hopes for them and, and maybe that'll be the Bengals someday, but they, they probably, we probably have to wait for new ownership before that happens. Yeah. I mean, I do have some hope that the new coach can help. And if he brings Rams concepts, that's great. And I think the offense could be good, but uh, it starts at the top there, and that's not promising for the Bengals. Yeah, we had a couple questions about players in this uh, in this range in this tier. Dynasty Reaper said Kelvin Harmon or Terry McLaurin. Uh, obviously, both players drafted by the Redskins. McLaurin was drafted first. I noticed, and a lot of people noticed that soon after McLaurin was drafted, Dwayne Haskins tweeted, "Yes, they listened." So he was <laughs> he was obviously. 
making a push for McLaurin to be drafted. And I think because he was, even though there, I think there's a, a few reasons to be concerned about McLaurin in general as as a prospect, I think landing there with uh, with Haskins and on that depth chart where honestly he could be the best receiver right away has to be a bump for his dynasty value. Yeah, if you compare the two, I think McLaren has more athletic ability, more upside as a separator. I think much more burst, speed, uh, coming out of his breaks, those type of things. I would say Harmon's probably the better football player right this minute, especially at the college level. And a note about the Ohio State guys, and this goes back to Curtis Samuel. This goes back the last couple of years. It almost seems like the Ohio State program doesn't ask a lot mentally from their wide receivers. You know, like, you're going to be our deep threat. You're going to be our short guy. Like, they have very defined roles. And that doesn't translate great to the league. And it worries me a little bit about um, Paris Campbell as well. Just because the league has really eaten up guys that can do a lot of things, can align in a lot of spots, great route runners. And I'm not sure McLaren is that yet, but I prefer him just because I think there's more upside. And, hey, it doesn't hurt his college quarterbacks to be throwing him a ball. Yeah, yeah, there's they're certainly going to ask Paris Campbell to do some some different things than he did in college. So we'll we'll see how that transition goes. I want to ask you again. You mentioned Benny Snell. Obviously, I'm a big fan. Uh, as as he was a Kentucky player, we don't mm-hmm. get too many we don't get too many Wildcats to root for in the NFL. He lands with the Steelers. Jalen Samuels and and James Conner already there. It, in some ways, it seems like a, a poor landing spot. From an opportunity standpoint, uh, in other ways, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it said plenty of times, he seems like a stealer running back. Yeah, he really does. And I expect him to be quickly a Steeler Nation favorite in the preseason. He runs so hard, as you barely know. Um, he's going to be, I bet he has some highlight runs against second, third string defenses and things like that in the preseason. And I look at Jalen Samuels, and I think he is not really a runner, you know, and I don't think the Steelers view him that way either. I think he's kind of a weapon, a pass catcher, a utility guy. I very much believe, in so, unless something goes off the tracks, that Connor, immediate backup, his true handcuff will be Snell. And I know Connor's young and everyone's excited about him, but all of a sudden, I mean, his contract's not that far away from being up. I mean, Snell could be the man, what, two years from now? I like the sound of that. Do you think Snell, if if Connor were to have an injury, do you think Snell would be able to step right in and I don't know take yet. over that job? I mean, I'm on day two of minicamp, dude. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I know one thing about Snell um, is he, like when we interviewed him after he got drafted, he's like, I've never really played special teams, but I'm going to give it my all. So that could hurt him. You know, if you're going to be active on game day, you better have the special teams coach at least like you to some degree. Yeah. Um, so we'll see on that, but I would imagine that's what training camp's for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to tell people about our friends at Harry's. Folks, join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. 10 million. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. Uh, I've told you a lot about them before. I have very sensitive skin. I never had a beard or a mustache or anything. I shave every day of my life. And for a long time, I used an electric razor, and I was never quite happy with how close it was until I found Harry's. Um, and now I'm, I will never go back. 
Harry's founders were tired of paying up for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. They knew a great shave doesn't come from gimmicks like vibrating heads and flex balls and nonsense like that. They fix all that by combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at extremely fair price. Harry's brought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades now for over 95 years. They've received over 20,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot and Google. And Harry's replacement cartridges are only $2 each, which is half the price of the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. Half the price. All Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund, of course. And here's what you really got to do. You get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. With a weighted, wonderful handle, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel gel that my wife loves the smell of, and a travel blade cover. And you can redeem that trial set, $13 value, you get it for free, by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know we sent you to help support the show. Matt, we've got a couple quarterbacks in this uh, in this tier, Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. Interesting that Locke is being drafted ahead of Jones. Obviously, Locke, a second rounder. Uh, Daniel Jones, the sixth overall pick. In a one-quarterback league, are you bothering with either of these guys, even in the fourth round? Ooh. I do like that both, I think, will run quite a bit. You know, like, when we watch Flacco and Eli... They are not going to do any zone read stuff or scrambling. I expect both these guys to be pretty quality running threats. And that's very helpful, especially early in your career as you're learning the you know the nuances of such a difficult position. So we've seen guys be fantasy relevant just from big plays, scrambles, running. I'm not saying they're going to be Josh Allen runners, but I think they'll be useful in that manner, which is separates them from like a Haskins. So maybe, I mean, again, I don't love this class overall. I don't have as many dart throws, I think, as you in the fourth round. So maybe I would grab a Locker Jones, but chances are they're going to clog your roster for a while. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I, I don't, I don't expect these either, either of those two to play early on. Mm-mm. And to, unless you're in a, 28-man roster league, I think those guys are going to hit the waiver wire at some point early in the season. Good so point. even if you do like them, you, you'll probably have a chance to uh, to scoop them off the waiver wire at some point. I'm not using a fourth rounder on either one of those guys. Uh, you mentioned late round uh, dart throws. That's our next question. Jim says, who's the best, best fourth round rookie running back dart throw? Some of those guys were mentioned in that tier. Mine's pretty easy, and, and he's actually at the top of the fourth round. It's Green Bay running back Dexter Williams. Loved loved what he did at Notre Dame. He really was only the starter there one year. But I, I was I was impressed with the way he ran last year. Loved the landing spot. Th- this new coaching staff has, has no ties to uh, Aaron Jones, to, uh, to Williams. So I... I don't know. I, I could honestly see uh, Dexter Williams winning that job at some point. Whoa. Uh, I lo- I, that was going to be my choice, too, and I think it's a really good one. I was going to say, I thought it was about to fall out of your mouth was I could see Dexter Williams making Jamal Williams 
inconsequential and maybe finding being unemployed. I just think Jones, you guys know my love affair with Jones. I think Jones is a special player. I don't think Dexter will beat him out unless he doesn't show that he can get a, a large workload. But I do like the landing spot. I like the player. And I think he's going to be a quality two for the Packers. Yeah, I, I like Jones as well. Um, and and maybe this coaching change will really help him. But I, I just feel like I feel like he's had his chances. And whether it was injury or, or, or honestly just failing to impress, just mm-hmm. not really getting the job done more often than not, he, he hasn't he hasn't shown me much, honestly. So. I hope he turns it around. I hope this this coaching staff is is the one who can use him correctly. I know that that's been a big frustration for uh, Packers fans and for fantasy owners. Uh, but uh, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Dexter Williams sees a lot of playing time, and he's right now a fourth rounder. And there's a lot of good buzz about him too. I mean, I guess they're happy about him. Do you have any strong feelings on Armstead as a value pick? Just because. Maybe he's what they wanted C.J. Anderson to be. Well, um, I, I like Armstead a lot. Um, he's there in Jacksonville. Oh, he, I'm sorry. I, I meant what they want as a as a four net backup. I mean, as right. I, I'm right. sorry. I got my my wires crossed there, but I did because I think he's going to be four net's immediate handcuff. To be honest with you, which in itself has immense value to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally agree. He's he's actually climbing a little bit. He's Is he's he? finally into the third round in this uh in this ADP data which i think even even there in the late third round is is a major value for him i mean we we know the story with Leonard Fournette he this guy just can't really do anything right um and it's it's not major infractions like we've seen with some other players fortunately but it's it's just one thing after another traffic things he gets in a fight uh, on the field and, and get suspended for that. He, uh, he he takes the criticism in week 17 for essentially not being engaged and and really being a team player. And I mean, it, it looked for a while like Fournette wasn't even going to make it to 2019 on this roster. I, I think I think he will now. But mm-hmm. just with these questions, we've got to we've got to love Raquel Armstead as as a third round pick. Yeah. Uh, if if I've got Fournette on my roster, I'd and making it a priority to take Armstead higher than anybody else does. And even if I don't have Fournette, I'm, I'm taking a chance and grabbing him when I can. Yeah, I, I think I've mentioned to our listeners before that two totally different people, sources when I was at the Combine, said Jacksonville's fed up with with Fournette. You know, like they've had enough. I mean, I, I don't think he's on the trade block or – but who knows? I mean, maybe even like if their season starts out 0-3, he's a trade deadline guy or something. You know, I mean – uh, if, if things yep. go south, but uh, I think that situation sets up for a, a pounder. Next question uh, about players in this range uh, comes from K- Kakimbus. Uh, he says, which undrafted running back has the best chance to replicate Philip Lindsay's 2018 season? Uh, obviously, hmm. Philip Lindsay became the starter in Denver. Uh, I think he ran for a thousand yards. He was very close if if not, I know he had that late season injury that um, that c- cost him a couple games. Uh, he was certainly well on his way. We've we've got a few interesting UDFAs. Devin Ozigbo lands with the Saints. had had a ton of buzz um, early in that draft process, and 
ended up going undrafted, obviously. But the Saints, we love that landing spot. Any any Saints running back we're interested in. Bruce Anderson, Tampa Bay. What do you think about him? Yeah, I was going to say, he's the one to me that, I mean, I don't think any of them are going to duplicate Lindsey's rookie performance. That's a rarity. Um, but we have seen undrafted free agents, Priest Holmes, I mean, that have been highly, highly productive. I just think the landing spot in Tampa is wonderful. And I do think it boosts Ronald Jones the way things went. Um, I, I think that offense is going to be pretty good. The line's in good shape. I'm an Arians believer. So I think that landing spot in itself is just such less speed bumps on the way to productivity for him. Right, exactly. But if I told you Bruce Anderson uh, was the week one starter over Ronald Jones and, and Peyton Barber, I mean, that wouldn't be shocking, right? No, right. I mean, if you told me Ozigbo was the week one starter, that would be shocking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I, that, would, that would be upsetting. <laughs> right. So I really I think it prob I think the answer probably is Bruce Anderson. Uh, his ADP right now is, puts him. Oh man, he's he's way down there. Yeah, he's he's a he's a fourth round guy as well. Yeah, I mean, of a fourth round guy, that's a pretty good risk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A um, couple others, James Williams. Uh, he's he's pass catcher galore. Lots of people have com- uh, compared him to James White. Uh, as as a guy who's not going to carry the ball probably much at all, but he'll he'll catch the ball plenty. Uh, he, he signs with Kansas City after the draft. I, I would like him a lot better if they didn't draft Darwin Thompson on on day three. I, I think Thompson could be uh, a, a little bit of a block for James Williams, so that that hurts him. Both in those, my opinion. I'm sorry. Both those Chiefs guys are Matt Waldman favorites, which carries a lot of water for me too. Yep. Yep. yep, totally agree. Uh, a couple others, Demaria Crockett, kid from Missouri who had uh, had a really strong college career, especially at the beginning. Uh, had some had some injuries later in his college career. Got some competition in there at Missouri, and and he ended up uh, mostly serving as the backup. But he lands with Houston, who great spot. Uh, once again, didn't really do much to address the running back position. I think there's questions with Lamar Miller as far as his his upside. They just keep sticking with him. Uh, questions about Deontay Foreman and his health. So Crockett's another guy who could sneak in there uh, and, and maybe earn a role. And then the last one I was looking at was Elijah Holyfield. We know he just lost a ton of value after he ran those slow 40s, both at the Combine and at his pro day. Uh, but he, he could as well earn a role uh, for Carolina, they also drafted uh, Jordan Scarlett. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it's kind of him and Scarlett for one role is is how I see it. Yeah, and kind of like I misreferenced before, I do think they would be smart to add a bruiser. You know, I know Christian McCaffrey's bulking up and he's going to play every snap, and that's great. But they had that in mind when they signed C.J. Anderson. One of those two could end up being a goal line vulture, or if McCaffrey doesn't hold up, which I th- still think there's a little question about. I think a pounder in that backfield has some hidden value. Yeah, I agree. We've, we've got a few more questions I want to get to. Tier 7 was actually our last tier, but I'm, uh, several players that I think are still interesting if you're talking third or fourth round, or maybe even your rookie draft is over and you're checking out the waiver wire. Gary Jennings. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, yeah, wide receiver, Seattle. Uh, I think he was a fourth or fifth round pick for them. Day, day three pick. 
And obviously since then, we've gotten the news about Doug Baldwin that he has been released and, and looks like he is on his way to retirement. Obviously uh, a, a tough situation there. So the Seahawks draft DK Metcalf early on, but but Jennings is uh, is a nice prospect as well. Tore it up at West Virginia. I think David Sills took a lot of the uh, a lot of the attention as as a as a prospect, and and maybe uh, maybe people thought he was the better wide receiver. He didn't get drafted, uh, but but Gary Jennings did, and he's falling even even after this Doug Baldwin news. I got him in the fourth round of, of a rookie draft this week. Yeah, I'll take that all day long. I'm sitting here looking at him now. He's my 35th ranked prospect, right around Jalen Hurd, Terry McLaren, in that neighborhood. Yeah. Great landing spot. Um, again, some of the DK Metcalf stuff, I'm going to reiterate. I mean, deep ball dude, athletic, a speed player. Not a lot in his way. I, I mean, some of these guys we've talked about. I'm not probably. I'm not even sure they'll make the team. Where I could see him being an opening day in the in the top three rotation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we talked in that last tier about Kahale Waring, Josh Oliver, um, a couple of those tight ends that that we would be targeting. Another one in that same range for me is Dawson Knox. I don't understand why he's not named right with those guys in. And every you know, like, no one ever drafts that guy in, in any yeah, of my rookie yeah. draft. I don't get it. I don't Great either. He, spot. To, yeah. to me, he's he's right with those guys. Of course, Buffalo Bills, and we saw the news earlier this week that um, Tyler Croft suffered a broken foot uh, and and is looking at a three to four month recovery. So that that still potentially uh, has him ready by uh, by week one. But he didn't scare me much to begin with. Right, right, true, <laughs> true. but. Throughout the offseason, even into training camp, Dawson Knox is going to have a, a real opportunity to to get some reps, to impress the coaching staff there. I'm excited about Knox just just as much as Waring and and Josh Oliver. Yeah, and in some ways he has less in front of him than those two. Um, I think he's in every bit as good a situation. I think he's every bit the athlete. I think he's every bit the prospect. Got drafted pretty high. It's not like he's a seventh round guy. I mean, Foster Moreau's another one that I think's a slight step behind those three, but yeah. I bet two of those three or four end up being NFL starting tight ends. A couple other guys I wanted to ask you about. We're now in this ADP, we're into the 50s. So these are guys who are probably not getting drafted in in your rookie draft, but again, you want to check the waiver wire, you want to uh, at least put them on your watch list. We talked about this guy when we had Evan Silva on the show a couple weeks ago. The Cowboys draft pick, Tony Pollard. He was the backup running back at Memphis behind Daryl Henderson. A really impressive athlete. Kind of kind of a do-it-all uh, type of back. And now he is behind Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, any thoughts on him? They draft Pollard in, I think, the fourth round. Then they come back later and draft Mike Weber as well. Weber's actually getting drafted uh, in in rookie drafts ahead of Pollard. I'd I'd pretty easily rather have Pollard. Yeah, I don't think there's any shame in being behind Darrell Henderson and still was very productive on a per-touch basis. Really good receiver. Has some gimmicky skills. I could see, you know, jet motion, things like that with him. Maybe a smidge of what they see in Tavon Austin. Right. Uh, returner. I mean, like, I bet he makes that team. There's clearly not a pure handcuff to Elliott. My worry is 
let's say Zeke misses the year, I mean, would they just go pick up somebody like a C.J. Anderson? You know what I mean? Like, I bet they can't look at him and say, he's the guy. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's quite a Tariq Cohen type, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's going to really be looked at as uh, as a starter or as an every down back either. I mean, I think he's closer to Duke Johnson than Christian McCaffrey. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's a that's a good comp. I think uh, from what I've seen of Pollard, but again, he's he's fifty overall in this ADP, and uh, I I gladly grab him off the waiver wire or spend a fourth round. Uh, fourth round pick on him. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's going to see the field and doesn't much ahead of him, and there might be a week he catches six passes, even with Zeke healthy or something like that. What do you think about the Falcons' backfield? So they they lose Tevin Coleman, they get back uh, Devonte Freeman, hopefully healthy after last year. Ito Smith was was solid as a rookie. They draft Quadre Allison, this this big huge Pit guy. guy from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, you, you've probably seen some of him uh, from up there. He he took over when James Conner uh, was missing time with um, battling cancer, and when Conner came back, Allison kind of kind of took a back seat and and then finished out uh, once Conner was gone. But I, I thought Allison had a had a solid career. Yeah, and they run the ball a lot. They're a real physical offense, and he fits that. Pretty good feet for a downhill banger. I mean, keeps his um, pads parallel line of scrimmage, doesn't mess around. If there's a hole, he hits it hard and he drags people. And say what you want about Freeman and Smith, they don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's a much different style of runner than what they have. And Matt Ryan's not going to get plunges. I wonder if he's a vulture. I mean, the more I think about it, mm-hmm. I think he makes that team. He's a tough guy that I bet helps on special teams, just knowing his makeup a little bit. And if it's third and one on the one goal on the one yard line, he may come trotting out there. Yeah, fifty six overall in ADP, and this is a guy who's, I think, almost certainly going to make the roster. And Matt, as you said, uh, mm-hmm. could 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 steal some uh, some goal line touches at least. If you're in a super flex league, are you drafting? Ryan Finley or Jarrett Stidham? Hmm, nothing pretty deep league. Yeah, Ryan Finley uh, drafted by the Bengals. We know Finley ahead of Stidham. Finley ahead of Stidham. Yeah, although I okay. probably like Stidham better as a player, but I could really write the script where but the key here is they can get rid out of Andy Dalton's contract and it doesn't cost them anything. And we were just talking about their ownership. They're cheap. And if it's the season shot, what if they, new coach, hey, Ryan Finley, let's see what you can do. Finish out December for us. And they look at him and say, he's doing the exact same thing Andy Dalton does, but he doesn't cost us $16 million. <laughs> Yeah. yeah I, mean, <laughs> I don't think... I don't think it's a it's a bold prediction to say that Dalton won't be the 2020 starter, mm-hmm, right? I mean, right. I think that's that kind of seems almost assumed at this point that that 2019 could be his his last chance, and I don't really think anybody expects him to turn into uh, Ben Roethlisberger all of a sudden. I agree, but I gotta say, I'm. <sighs> I bet I end up with a couple Bengals on my redraft team. I think that offense has a chance to be pretty good, and I have a lot of faith in the Rams coaching style to really point Andy Dalton in the right direction, almost pin the tail on the donkey for him, you know, like they kind of do with Goff. Okay. 
Yeah. And I do think there's skill there, and the O-line's not terrible anymore. So uh, I kind of think there's value in that offense. But in the big picture, my hunch is they'll still end up being five or six-win team. Dalton is what he is. They can get out from under the contract. We know who the owners are. And maybe next year it's Finley and Fitzpatrick and a second-round pick or something, you know? Well, they're probably going to have a top-ten pick. and right. there's but they pass on we, Haskins we, this year. I thought that was kind of odd. We think there's at least three top-ten quarterbacks uh, in that 2020 class. Mm-hmm. So they could they could certainly be in the market for an early quarterback next year. I agree with you. I'm probably not bothering with with Ryan Finley, I, I like Jared Stidham a little bit. If in, in a super flex league, I'm I'm going to find a roster spot for him. I mean, maybe he turns into Jacoby Brissett. You know, a good preseason. Some yeah. Belichick disciple calls him up, and Patricia calls him up in a year and trades for him. You know, something like that. I don't know Miami, and we've seen him move those number two guys a lot. Um, quick yeah. super flex question for you though. Just while we're talking quarterbacks, like where sure. does Locke and Jones go in a super flex draft? I've seen them both uh, falling in the second round range, which, you know, we talked about uh, Josh Allen last year and uh, just the, the hate he was getting that caused him to fall to the second round. And, and I'm sure those people who, who grabbed him there last year are feeling pretty good about that. I bet. So I'm just still trying to learn more about Superflex. So a high pedigree prospect rarely falls to the second round of quarterback, I'd imagine, right? Like Haskins is going six-ish overall, maybe? Yes, or, or even higher. Really? Um, I mean, really, any you would, you would almost say any first-round quarterback would also be a first-round pick in, mm-hmm. in a super-flex rookie draft. So, and Locke's kind uh, of in the same boat. Right, yeah. Locke's, Locke's in that same range, yeah. even though he was, he was the second-rounder. Uh, but, yeah, both of those guys I've seen falling – uh, falling to the second round in, in Superflex rookie drafts. And, and Allen did the same thing last year. So, no, I, I don't really like Daniel Jones. I certainly have some questions about the Giants' um, management and, and and ownership and the direction that they're going. But in the second round, absolutely. Give me, give me a first-round uh, quarterback who's likely to be a starter in 2020, if, if not sooner. Makes perfect sense. Um, we wrapping things up here. We got a couple more questions. Okay. I, w- I want to hear your thoughts on these. We've got one, uh, one from Falco. Which player will you have the most shares of, and which player will you are you most likely to have zero shares of? Uh, so I've I've got a few rookie drafts in the books, as I said earlier, and uh, and a few more to go. So we'll see how this plays out. But um, some of the guys that we've we've talked about on here already are the ones I'm, I'm ending up uh, drafting over and over. Gary Jennings is one of those Mm -hmm. grabbing him late. Um, Damian Harris grabbing him in the second round. Dexter Williams. Those are all guys that I've drafted uh, at least three times already. What about you? What range are you getting a Dexter Williams at early third? Uh, Somewhere in the third. Somewhere in the third. Okay. Yeah, he's pretty pretty wide range right now. I've seen him fall to the fourth round as well. I, I gotta admit that I haven't made a lot of third and fourth round picks this year for whatever reason. I've traded those away, so a lot of my drafts have been top heavy, and then I've been done, which I've been kind of happy with. It's a nice feeling in some ways, but the guys I end up with a lot are. It probably won't be surprised considering we have talked about them. Is Sternberger and Boykin? I never end up with Singletary. 
Yeah, as far as guys that I'm avoiding, Singletary would probably be mine. I mean, there's there's a bunch. I, I, mm-hmm. I love Kyler Murray, but but people are drafting him before I get a chance, and, and they're taking him in the first round, which I, I don't hate. I just haven't haven't been able to pull the trigger on myself yet. Uh, like if you had to take – would you take Murray over Hawkinson? No. I, I don't think I would either. Yeah. So for me, Murray is – is still in that kind of 15 to 18 range and people are just taking him earlier than that. So it's, it's nothing about the player. It's just about how he's being valued right now. Yeah. Best plays the wrong position. Yep. Uh, last question, uh, from David, David said, who's the most underrated and overrated consensus first round ADP player. So let's look back at the first round overall. I'll throw these out for you. Uh, and, and this has even changed since our episode last week. So this this will disagree a little bit with some of those earlier tiers. But we'll look at the current first round. And David's looking for underrated and overrated. Josh Jacobs, Nikhil Harry, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, TJ Hawkinson, Paris Campbell, Miko Hardman, Noah Fant, Debo Samuel, and Kyler Murray. That's the first round. Who is the most underrated player in that group, Matt? Who? I don't have one that's killing me. It's jumping out at me. Maybe yeah. Marquise Brown. I mean, again, he's in that group of receivers to me that are all the same. But I've been breaking time. He wasn't on the list. I wasn't. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I heard Brown and just thought it was, yeah, it was A.J. Brown. Yeah, A.J. Brown. Yeah. Uh, Marquise Brown, for the record, is 13. Yeah, so he's, he's right he's, in that He's right there. He's really close. But I guess Henderson would probably be my most underrated. I have him as my sixth rookie overall. Okay, well, he's not on the list either. You, you didn't listen very I well. did not, to be honest with you. I was <laughs> retweeting something for a friend, actually, to be very honest and pull back the curtain. All right. Uh, <laughs> from that group, if I have to pick an underrated, uh, I guess I would go back to A.J. Brown. I still have I have him fourth overall. He's going sixth here, but that's, that's not a huge uh, difference, obviously. Overrated for me is Debo Samuel. Um, he's going 11th here. I have him more as a mid-second rounder. Several guys behind him uh, that I would prefer. Just got some questions about his his injuries, uh, injury history, and his role in that offense. I don't I don't view him as as any better than Dante Pettis, honestly. Yeah, I don't know that he's any better than Pettis, but I am high on Pettis. Um, uh, yeah, and I've mentioned this before. It wouldn't shock me if next offseason they really go get their number one. Yeah. Like, are you taking Hardman and Butler over him? Uh, I'm taking Hardman over him for sure. Butler, Butler would be close. Okay. Arcega Whiteside would be close. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have, I'd rather have Isabella. I'd rather wow. have Henderson. Um, so yeah, Debo's more of a, a mid-second rounder. So he's another guy like Murray who probably won't be on any of my rosters because of how I'm ranking him and, and valuing him. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but I would still take Samuel over. Isabella or Arcega Whiteside. Yeah. All right. Good stuff today, Matt. Thanks for your thoughts on these rookies. Um, and thanks to our listeners for all their great questions. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs> 